everyone, and welcome to Val Cafe. My name is Brian Hostler, founder of Strong Roots Consulting based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. I'm joined as always by my co-host. Hi everyone, I'm Carolyn Kamen, an independent evaluation consultant working out of Vancouver, BC, coming to you from Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations territory. This podcast is an informal chat on evaluation topics, the kind you might overhear at your favorite coffee shop if your favorite coffee shop were frequented by evaluators. This podcast is for everyone, expert or novice, longtime practitioner, or just starting in the field. Even if you don't identify as an evaluator, as long as you have an interest in evaluation, this podcast is for you. So welcome back, everyone. We've been on a little bit of an unofficial summer hiatus. Uh, I think our last episode came to you uh, in May after the uh, CES 2018 National Conference, which was really exciting. So Mm -hmm. we're back. We're back in the studio, a.k.a. our respective offices, and (laughs) our very first episode after our summer hiatus, very appropriately, is Back to School. This is our Back to School episode. Um, Yeah, it's it's great to to be back, and uh, I don't think either of us are actually in school right now, so... I'm in the school of life, Brian. Okay, yeah, well, that's true, yeah. As long as it's not the school of hard knocks, then I think we're going to be fine. It's a little bit of that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I think uh, we're, we're going to be structuring this episode around that whole topic or the metaphor of uh, of school. But let's start off by saying, what did we do on our summer vacations? Yeah, yeah. So so what did you do on your summer vacation, Brian? Uh, well, it was a little bit of a summer of travel. Uh, I had uh, three weddings to attend, all of them in Ontario. Uh, so I got a chance to, to catch up with some friends, uh, do a little bit of traveling around and actually... Uh, had a bit of a uh, two-week um, uh, adventure, I guess, in a sense. Uh, my spouse uh, was tracking down some of her family roots in Scotland and Sweden. So we had a chance to travel out there, see some of the countryside, find some old um, old farmsteads and such, and just uh, explore around a little bit. So yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty neat summer, actually. Oh, nice. That sounds cool. Yeah, I, I saw some pictures on Twitter, I think, from uh, from Sweden, at least, for sure. So... Yeah, and and we had we did the tourist thing of stopping at an IKEA. I'm not horribly proud of doing that, but uh, we did that. We got some frozen yogurt. Um, yeah, just you know, went in Sweden, stop at IKEA. I have to it's know the same as oh, it's same it's as any same. IKEA anywhere, so. <laughs> I was I was hoping that a Scandinavian IKEA might just like be next level IKEA, but okay, it's the same. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's all the same. So, <laughs> well, but you, what what have you been up to this summer? I did actually get on a little bit of a a proper vacation at one point. I spent a week in San Francisco with a friend of mine, and that was absolutely lovely. We just hung out. We honestly just watched a lot of Netflix. I didn't do that many touristy things. I was just glad (laughs) to be like somewhere where I was relaxing. Although we did go to the Asian Art Museum and saw a really lovely exhibit of like these really uh, ancient Buddhist sculptures, like stuff going back like thousands of years. So cool. Um, most of the summer I spent working, but I, it wasn't bad. I, I've, um, I've always joked that like everyone else seems to have like a lull over the summer, but I've always been busy over summers always, ever since I started doing this work, I just always have busier summers than even most of the rest of the year. Uh, and actually that has changed recently in that now my whole year is busy, including the summer, Uh, but summers are always still, I don't know, for some reason, I just always end up with stuff starting and happening in those months. But uh, it's been a lot of new, exciting projects, cool things happening. So I don't mind it. 
That's good to hear. I've been, t- I was talking with a client recently and they were saying that how it seems like more and more that the summer is, or it used to be slower, but then now more and more you do have uh, kind of things just continuing on through. So I'm not sure that's just a general trend or just, uh, you know, that we were, we, we just think that summers and the age gone by were slow and idyllic and, you know, we didn't do anything, but who knows? Yeah, I've heard other uh, people say that as well. And I think part of it is that we're um, busting out of that uh, fiscal year cycle just pattern of like, okay, this is when projects start and this is where they end. Now projects mm-hmm. are starting at all different times of the year. So, Right. I mean, that could still be a fiscal cycle thing, but just all the funders are misaligned in their cycles. So that's true. You know, another another month comes by, another fiscal year ends. So. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think that this has been a bit of a changing trend because I'm hearing more, like even people have been doing this for decades saying like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm suddenly busy in the summer when I didn't used to be. So welcome to my world. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So um, yeah, so it sounds like we both had some some fun and I'm sure crazy quite that extent, but just fun summers, I think. Uh, though I was also doing some work as well. Just, yeah, like I said, the way that it kind of turns out, so... But uh, let's turn our attention now to to this fall, to the to the new year, to the mm-hmm. beginning, back to something approaching regular routine. Yeah. And well, we, I know one question. You oh, go ahead. I was going to say. Well, we all know that uh, the best part of starting off a new school year is heading off to buy school supplies. Um, mm-hmm. That was always my absolute favorite part. Just like let me loose in the office supply store, and I'm going to find all the shiny new stuff. <laughs> and what I really appreciate about this job is that I still get to do the same exact thing and let myself loose in an office supply store and come home with all the shiny new things. So yeah, I think we want also want to talk about like, what are our favorite uh, office supplies? What What's something cool maybe that we got this year that we're, we're looking to get um, or something that makes our work mm-hmm. a little easier? Definitely. Yeah. And the plus thing about being uh, independent consultants like us is that we don't need to ask permission to buy new office supplies, at least, or we just need to ask permission of ourselves. Uh, (laughs) The downside is that, of course, that we don't really have a budget for office supplies often. So, but uh, yeah, in terms of supplies, what I'm looking forward to, um, I've kind of got a good, pretty good setup for my office, but I think one of the things that I can always do more with is more whiteboards. Whiteboards are awesome. They're great for just sketching out logic models for um, trying to figure out a timeline or something. I've got like a huge one in my office. I got a small one, but there's probably room for a medium sized one. I mean, I could just go out and get a shower curtain and put it up over my window and just use that as a as a whiteboard. But uh, more whiteboards, more whiteboard markers. That's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Yeah, and I, I noticed the the subtle uh, dig at me there with my a giant sheet of plastic. <laughs> Brian makes fun of me for this all the time, but I do, in fact, have a giant sheet of white plastic taped to my office wall for a ginormous whiteboard. Uh, so I strongly recommend the shower curtain solution. It has worked pretty well for me. Um, and I, I'm i there with you. I love whiteboards. I, it's just great. It's so <laughs> nice. To, and I, I wish my entire wall or my entire office just could be just one continuous whiteboard, maybe with a little bit of like corkboard edging just for... Just for some variety. <laughs> just to break it up a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. It's, they're just, they're great. It's so nice to just be able to get your thoughts out of your brain and, and up onto your wall. So, and to do it without worrying about the paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and just, yeah, having to like paint over your old ramblings and all that. But uh, yeah, actually the, the shower curtain, even though I make fun of it, it is a smart idea. 
one of my whiteboards at the office is actually just a picture frame. Um, I think I might have bought it at Ikea, not the Swedish Ikea, but uh, at an Ikea at some point. Took out the little, you know, or flipped the little uh, default image it comes with. So it's just a white. Uh, you just look through the glass and see white. And then you just uh, write on the glass. And it works quite well as a, as, a, as a whiteboard or a glass board, I guess, as it was. So that's a cheap option um, if you got any, you know, picture frames or uh, poster frames sitting around. Uh, you can pretty easily turn it into a whiteboard and start doodling. That's awesome. That's, I hadn't thought of this that. Is, oh, that's filling. This, this is the whiteboard podcast. That you're listening yeah, to basically, right now, this so. is our, you know, Evil Cafe uh, whiteboard edition. Uh, well, I was going to say, I actually, I, I treated myself just the other week. I went, I went to the Staples uh, and I came home with uh, two fresh new packs of post-it notes, eight gorgeous colors. Mm. Very excited. Not a single one of them is that stupid pop-up format that we always get. There's always one. There's always one time where you forget to look at the package when you buy it and you think, oh, these are good. No, they're the pop-up format. They're going to drive you nuts. Anyone mm. who works with post-it notes knows what I'm talking about. Um, and then I also got myself <laughs> a nice big new pack of dry erase markers, like 14 different colors. Very excited. Mm. Very, very excited. It's mm. probably too much. I'm at the point now where I'm just like, oh, I'm going to spend more time sort of picking the right palette for the for the tone I want to evoke rather than just being like, Carolyn, just just get your ideas out of your head and onto the wall. <laughs> definitely. And I think like all these things like whiteboards and definitely uh, the post-it notes or index cards, those can be really useful working with, with clients, just uh, especially trying to like identify what are what are outcomes, what are maybe like key activities and how they connect to each other. Just having something you can like physically move around or write stuff on, uh, toss out if need be, but just having that kind of tangibleness, I think I find is really, is really yeah. useful. And I mean, maybe it sounds silly to get so excited about, you know, oh, I'm going to have this, you know, these things in my office or these things to work with. But I, honestly, what I find is that when I get the right supplies, when I get the, the the pen that writes really well, the notebook that, you know, opens the right way and has the right kind of lines in it, mm-hmm. it just makes everything a little easier. It means that's one less sort of irritation to have, you know, popping up into my consciousness when I'm trying to work with someone. Even something as silly as getting post-it notes that are the, the pop-up format so that they are, you know, every other one is oriented differently. You know, it's just it's just nice to have something that that works a little smoothly, that fits, you know, your rhythm and your vibe when you're working with someone so that you can focus on them and not focus on what's happening happening around you. And even things like having multicolored post-it notes. I mean, it's good for color coding, but also just Mm -hmm. it feels fun. It makes the whole process a little bit uh, more fun. And my favorite thing that I did with my new office and I told you I was going to talk about this, but. The best thing that I did with my office this year, I noticed I got to a point where I, I love this little office space. It's it's not in my home, but it's like right next to my home. So it's got that that really lovely separation, but still all the convenience of working mm-hmm. really close to home. But I found myself mm-hmm. at one point really avoiding uh, coming in. Like I didn't want to avoid the work. I was doing all this work. I was literally sitting in my home doing this work. And I'm like, I have an office right there. I pay for it. Why? It's right there. Why am I not in there? And I realized mm-hmm. it's that I'd gotten my home really nice and cozy and lovely. And my office just, it wasn't cozy. It wasn't nice. And I like to work in cozy, comfortable spaces. And I kind of tried to make my office like really professional and really like, you know, I could have people come in and I would, you know, make, project this image of like this very, very professional on top of things consultant, which feel, but then that's not the space that I really wanted to work in. I wanted to work in the comfy, cozy space. So I had bought this mm-hmm. couch from Ikea, all my furniture comes from Ikea. <laughs> this is also the Ikea episode, apparently. Um, 
our sponsor this week. Yeah. <laughs> Ikea and Staples and whoever makes, whoever makes whiteboards. I don't know who that is. Um, but I had bought this couch for my, it's a lovely couch. Uh, it's like the Erska, I think is what it's called. It looks really cool. Um, and, but one of the reasons I liked it is it also folded out into a bed. You wouldn't think of it to look, it doesn't look like the kind of couch that turns into a bed, but it is. And I thought, oh, that's great. I can use this you know, as, a, as a guest room every once in a while. But no, what I should really do is fold it out as the bed. And then I have, a, like, if I like sitting on my bed and working in my bedroom, then I'm probably going to like sitting on a bed and working on a bed in my office. And you know what? I do. <laughs> It's just nice to have, and it means that sometimes I'm sitting at my desk, sometimes I'm sitting in my armchair, sometimes I'm sitting on my bedwork, and it just means within one space, I can work wherever feels the most comfortable. And when I'm doing something that's really like a little tedious or a little hard to stay focused on, I put myself in the most comfortable place in that room and I work on it. Um, And then other places where I'm like, no, I need to be at a desk for this, then I'm at the desk working on it. And I just gave myself permission to have all that flexibility. And I designed a space that worked for me. And I think that's really important mm-hmm. when you're setting up an office space, really think about what works for me. What do I want to have close to me? What do I, you know, what kind of feelings do I want to have in that space? What kind of lighting? What kind of art? Don't just think of it as a functional space. Think of all of the things that make it functional for you. And that can include things like aesthetics mm-hmm. or beds or post-it notes. <laughs> Definitely. Yep. Uh, I think, yeah, like we, we don't think about those things often. We're like, okay, it's a workspace is a workspace, but uh, there's so much flexibility. Like these days, um, I, I work out of a co-working space primarily, uh, so I have an office space there. But then there's different uh, different spaces within that space. There's a I have my own office, but then there's also a more open co-working space. They have a they have an I don't think they call it a nap room. They call it the hideaway. Mm-hmm. So they have like actually like a, a little small room you can book up for a small time, which has uh, a hammock and it has a couch and everything. So you just need a space to chill or even just to work for a little bit of a laptop. So yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is not a, a podcast on, on independent consulting per se, but I think uh, it's, it's a good thing for, for everybody to think about. Like, even if you are in cubicle land, if you're in a set office, what can you do just to make things a little more nice to, to work in? And yeah, like you can actually see the difference. I think in that, like you said, if it's, whether it's a photo of your kids or just see yeah, some art or even just trying to get a better desk or something. Or better chair. You know, depending on the space, you may have more or less freedom to like this. I'm renting this office space. I can't completely radically revise the the interior of it. But working with what you can change, yeah, figure out you know what your comfort is important. I think that's my big message to anyone working on anything ever. Uh, your comfort really is important, and it will help the the quality of work that you do. All right, so. Obviously, if we're going to be uh, pulling out the school metaphor as far as we can, and I think that's the official uh, or unofficial slogan of this podcast is that we pull metaphors to their breaking point, maybe even a little bit beyond that. Uh, what are we, it's, you know, school's about learning. So what are we looking forward to learning about right now? So what do we have kind of on our docket or just in our, in our agenda this coming uh, over the weeks and months around just know what are we what are we looking forward to learning about right yes and oh man i i don't know if you're like me i know that we both read a lot of books and recommend a lot of books to each other and it's hard to walk away from a conversation with each other without having a new book to read um i also don't mm-hmm. always finish those books like i'll i've got sort of <laughs> I, i'll get to the ends of them eventually but i'm always like I'll, I'll be right in the middle of this book for a little bit and then i'll get pulled away to something else and then i'll start another book so i've always got like hmm, five or six different books that i'm halfway through um, so there's always, something. yeah, I'm the same. So. <laughs> um, I think uh, one of those books that I'm halfway through right now is that, uh, 
uh, what is it? Well, one of them is on design methods. One of them is on uh, facilitating participatory decision-making. Uh, I've been rereading a few classics. Mm-hmm. So I've been rereading some developmental evaluation classics. I'm about halfway through each of those. But you know what, actually, what I'm most looking forward to learning right now, it's actually not a book at all. It's uh, a course that I'm uh, enrolled in for the end of the month. I'm actually so, so, oh my God, it's only two weeks away. Oh my God, I'm actually going back to school and I'm so <laughs> excited about this. There's a brand new course. This is the first year that this program is running at uh, Simon Fraser University here in uh, mm-hmm. Vancouver. Although I will say most of this program is online. There's four courses or five courses in it. Um, there's one of them that's in person. The rest of them are all online. So, um, But it's evaluation for social change and transformational learning. And if that title alone doesn't get you excited, I don't even know what to say. Um, you do not have a pulse. Yeah, and I'm, I'm signed up for the very first, they're starting the end of September, I'm signed up for a transformative evaluation landscape uh, being taught by Kim Vanderward and Billy Joe Rogers of Reciprocal Consulting out here in Vancouver. I'm so excited. I'm so, so I can, I, I'm, I'll read to you some of the stuff that I'm going to learn in this. Um, what will I learn? So I'm going to learn to locate myself within broader contexts and systems, reflect on indigenous ways of knowing and my own worldviews, examine power and privilege and how these concepts relate to evaluation, distinguish between dominant and transformative evaluation landscapes, examine my own values and ethics and locate my ethical framework within the broader landscapes. Like I'm only halfway down the list of stuff that I'm going to learn. And I'm, <laughs> I'm just so excited. They sent me out the list of advanced readings a couple of weeks ago. I think I tweeted about this. I'm just like, Oh my God, this is so cool. I, I don't remember the last time I was so excited and I love school, but wow. I'm just, I have never seen a course <laughs> like this before. And I'm really excited. I think I, I can, I'm looking on the website right now. They still have three seats available if anyone wants to uh, register and sign up. So that's what I'm really excited to learn about. And I can't wait to, uh, in a future podcast, hopefully talk to people about what I have learned. Mm-hmm, definitely. And maybe you can bring some of the instructors in too, as a, as an interview guest, if they're listening in him. But yeah, no, I, I, that that course uh, sounds really neat. Uh, I got a chance to meet with one of the uh, program coordinators at CES 2018 in Calgary, and there was a, um, a webinar they hosted uh, sometime over the summer. I can't remember. Maybe it was July, I think, and it sounded really neat. Um, just at that point, I had enough kind of other commitments and such, um, so I haven't looked into any further, but not that I know there's a couple of seats open, maybe we'll look mm-hmm. back into it. But yeah, that's what I'm pretty excited about learning about. How about yourself, Brian? What are you excited to learn about? Yeah, uh, nothing is as big quite as uh, as what you're doing. But um, there's some really interesting stuff happening here in Saskatoon uh, around some kind of multi-partner kind of community-wide initiatives happening. So uh, can't really talk too much about details at this point. But I think there's going to be some really interesting learning opportunities and like really kind of on the ground learning opportunities um, around just... uh, how do we kind of evaluate when we're trying to like do like trying to look at this like big multi-year um, kind of multiple partner initiative? Like, how do you make sense of that? It's not the case where like we served X number of people and X number of people showed this outcome. We're trying to like address major community issues for, um, and where it's not really clear as to who's doing what or how that their activities are leading to those longer term change. So just, it's going to be kind of a little bit learning on the fly uh, just around how do we evaluate in these kind of situations? Uh, how do we evaluate kind of more community-wide um, work that's happening out there? Hmm, neat. That sounds exciting and fun. 
Do you have any resources for it? <laughs> a book, maybe? I probably I have know. a book. Let me think on it and I'll... Uh... Yeah, uh, there was an event here last November, actually, in Saskatoon that uh, Tamarack Community Institute held on evaluating uh, community impact. Uh, Mark Cabage was one of the presenters and Liz Weaver. Um, so there's some, I'll have to re- revisit some of those resources, but I think some of the things we talked about before in terms of systems thinking, I have that one book that you recommended and I was reading it on the trip. Um, uh, Donna Meadows. Oh yes. Donella Meadows thinking in systems, which is like the, the, the very first place yes. to start when you're, um, reading about, uh, systems. I've also got, what's, what's some of the other ones? Uh, fifth discipline. I'm just looking, I'm literally looking at my bookshelf right now. Uh, my Peter Senke's, uh, I think that's what I think of as like my systems thinking 201 kind of book where like Donella Meadows, she sets mm-hmm. out like the fundamentals, the foundations of it. Uh, I say, I would say that he takes it a step further. There's also one systems thinking for social change, which is not in this. It's okay. It's probably on another bookshelf somewhere that, um, <laughs> might also be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So, and collective, so I, 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 I mean, collective impact, it's been around for uh, a, a little while, but I, I feel like, I feel like it's picking up steam in Canada right now specifically. Cause I keep running across people who are mm-hmm. talking about like, you know, Oh, collective impact. Like this is the first time this has been done in Alberta, or this is the first time this has been done in BC, or this is the first time this has been like, you know, this, you know, new in Saskatchewan as well. And I'm like, okay. So like, it sounds like, maybe in Canada, it wasn't as, 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 uh, well utilized, but I know down South in the States, um, it's Mm -hmm. been, I would say there's probably a lot of resources from down there because that's a, it's been a really big thing in in the U S I believe. Yeah. And now that you say that, I think actually it might've been back at AEA in Denver four years ago that I think there was, uh, that reminds me of some presentation from there. So I'll need to go back through my notes and see if I can find it. But I remember there being something around, yeah, evaluating collective impact. So yeah, I'll go look that up. And as we find these resources, we'll put them all in the in the show notes, including the umpteen number yep. of books. We're sorry to any book addicts out there, or not really sorry, <laughs> but uh, for giving more suggestions for your bookshelf. I know I think I got a budget for myself every time I talk to Carolyn just to have a have a you know get an Amazon order out within the next couple of days or my I'm local bookstore. So. I'm not really on the topic of, of uh, <laughs> stuff. I'm excited to learn. I have to say it's every day. I don't know when it's coming. Cause I ordered it from Sage and they don't apparently tell you when stuff ships. So one day there's going to be a surprise when I come home and my book on evaluation <laughs> failures is here. I'm so excited Ooh. for it to show up. I know any day now, any day now I'm going to get it. Um, that's something that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, anyone who doesn't know about it already. So this is a book that was edited by Kylie Hutchinson. I think it's got like 22 chapters from some of the biggest names in evaluation. Uh, you know, really mm-hmm. people who do amazing work, who are really well known for the incredible work that they do, who are absolutely not infallible because no one is talking about some of the biggest mistakes they've made mm-hmm. in their careers. And I think it's incredibly courageous of of everyone who's been involved in this project. And it makes me proud for our field in general that uh, Mm -hmm. someone has been, has produced a book like this. And I can't wait to learn um, from other people's mistakes so that I can start making all new mistakes of my own. (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm reminded of like a quote about failure, but now I can't remember it. So I've kind of failed at that. So I'm going to just embodying the spirit of, but um, there we go. Yes, exactly. And demonstration, but I'm going to go off script for a second here. Um, we got like all these different ideas and resources. And because we're not actually in school, 
uh, we need to actually like figure out like time and motivation to actually, you know, sit down and, and push through these things. So how do we like make sure we get our homework done Ooh. in a sense? Or how do you? Oh, that's that? such a good question. I'm so mad at you for asking it because now I have to think of an answer. Um, I, <laughs> well, it's okay. I don't have an answer myself. So I mean, I've, can, I've talked to some people about this as well. Like, yeah, how do you fit that all important professional, ongoing professional development into your work week? Because it, it is, it's something that's, a continuous part of being an evaluator um, evaluation is changing and growing all the time. So we're always trying to stay on top of it. Um, and there's just so much mm-hmm. to, to learn. Uh, I've heard people say things like I have one day a week that like, is kind of my like dedicated PD day. I haven't quite managed to get that part to work. I think right now, because mm-hmm. my schedule has been just so all over the place and changing all the time, it's been really hard for me to like systematize it. I kind of just, you know, I find nice spaces. I actually, I've been really enjoying just sitting out on my front porch. Uh, I got a really lovely front porch Mm -hmm. with a view of of mountains, even if if the the leaves are off the trees. Um, Really beautiful. (laughs) And I'll just sit out there with, you know, tea or coffee and, and, read and I take notes while I read to help me really process what I, what it is that I'm reading. And so I'm not just taking words in, but I'm really thinking about it. And I think that's probably why I'm like halfway through a whole lot of books <laughs> um, as opposed to having mm-hmm. finished a lot of books right now. But um, yeah, I kind of just fit it in where it fits. And I don't know if that's the best approach, but that's what I've been doing right now. How about you? Yeah, kind of the same. Um, but I'm trying to, I think I'm thinking to do a bit more systematically to give it a shot and not say that every Thursday at 1 p.m. is my official PD time. But just as I'm looking at the week, um, just saying like, you know, this is something important um, to do and just try to fit it in because I think if we look for that magic time that we have nothing else on our plate, it, that's never going to come, right? Like there's always going to be something else we can do. So it's more saying, okay, I need to set aside a chunk of time or I need to say this is a priority. Obviously, if there's, you know, a big project to do, that's going to be that's going to be lower down the list um, doing the professional development stuff. But uh, you know, it's it's time to start making it as something that's being worthy of time. So, but once I figure that out, I'll let you know. I think that is a really important thing you touched on there is, is recognizing that it is work, making it, even if it's not the top priority, it's still on the list of, of important things. I think that's one thing I do is I don't, it's not like, oh, I'll take some time off and do some reading. It's like, no, this reading is part of my work. Even if I'm doing it somewhere cozy, you know, with a with a cup of tea or something, it's still, this is me working. Um, and something else is, you know, trying to mm-hmm. like, if I, if I leave my phone inside and I, you know, I go a couple hours without responding to an email immediately, cause I'm catching up on some reading. That's okay. That's okay. That email does mm-hmm. not necessarily need to be answered within two hours of receiving it. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that actually is a good uh, segue into our next topic around, um, if we want to stay kind of well-rounded and seeing things as a priority beyond work, what are we doing for extracurriculars or we can even call it recess here? What's, what are we doing to stay nicely well-rounded and uh, you know, all evaluation and no play. Well, I mean, actually it doesn't sound too bad, but I mean, having some plays. I was going to say, I'm so, I mean, I'm so guilty of being the person who, uh, Oh yeah. What are you doing this time? Well, I'm working a lot. Um, that's always my answer. And <laughs> even when we talked about, you know, what did you do on your summer vacation? Well, I, t- I took one week and then I worked a lot. Um, so I, I try to keep on myself about this and not become that person who works all the time. I really enjoy my work. Mm-hmm. 
which I think sort of makes it a little dangerous. But yeah, there are things that I try to do that have <laughs> nothing, nothing whatsoever to do with work. Um, I I try to get out. I like swimming. I really enjoy swimming. So that's kind of one of my exercise things of choice. And it's really nice. I've also been doing a lot of crafting. I like crafting. So how about you? What do you do to keep yourself a well-rounded person who is, you know, not just an evaluator? Uh, well, I've talked on this podcast before about uh, about music a little bit and how I play in a community band. That really follows kind of the school year because we do practice out of a, a local high school. So we just started up this past week again for the for the year. So that's a lot of fun. And I've talked about, I think I've talked on this podcast before about how it does provide a space where I'm not get to exercise a different part of the brain. I think um, it's more physical. It's more being part of a, of a larger group. And it's just, it's just fun to do, honestly. It's just uh, a little nice thing to, uh, yeah, get the rust off the trombone from the summer and just uh, go, go back and play some more. Um, other than that, uh, I've always kind of enjoyed uh, photography on a very amateur basis. So um, kind of got back into that again over the summer with the, with the uh, trip, got a lot of photos in, in Scotland and Sweden. So, and as I'm looking out my window here, it is a kind of dull and gray day here in Saskatoon. It's uh, uh, falls kind of come a little bit early, um, but I'm thinking maybe after this uh, podcast or sometime this weekend, I'll uh, grab the camera and get some of the some shots of the nice uh, fall foliage while they're still on the trees and they haven't blown away yet. But yeah, no, it's just a it's just a fun activity. Again, it's maybe a different part of part of the brain. It's more visual. I'm not doing it for a set project or anything like that. So just yeah, get to, you know, have some fun, play around with things a little bit, and yeah, enjoy. So yeah, so okay, it sounds like we're we're doing okay when it comes maybe some room for improvement we, when it comes to being well rounded individuals who do things other than than work. Sometimes we're <laughs> we're on our way. Um, yeah. Way, yeah. And, uh, but the very last topic that we had on our list of, of things as we stretch this metaphor to its absolute limit is the other cool thing about school is <laughs> as always the field trip. So Brian, what kind mm -hmm. of field trips do you have coming up? Huh, I'm, I don't really have anything too much planned. Unfortunately, I was looking at this question and trying to, to stretch a little bit. Um, again, because I did some traveling over the summer, I'm kind of looking forward to being, uh, being home for a change for a little while, but, uh, there are some virtual, uh, field trips I think I'll be taking. And I'm going to kick that back to you because it's related to what I think is your answer. So, well, I, th I think you guessed right. One of the field trips I'm very excited of coming up, uh, although I will be doing a lot of traveling this fall, but one of the big things is, uh, heading out to Cleveland, Ohio for American Evaluation Association, uh, 2018 conference. Very, very excited. The topic is speaking truth to power. I think we've mentioned it several times on this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked to be heading out there in, oh gosh, like a month and a half. Oh, I really have to finish that presentation. <laughs> uh, just do it the night before. That's what we always do, right? That's what everyone does. <laughs> No, of course, this podcast is accepted, of course. We don't, you know, neither of us do this that kind of This is highly prepared and, and rigorously scripted. Regular, yes, yeah. quite rigorous. So. <laughs> that, no, but that, that sounds like a great trip. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not able to make it myself, but uh, yeah, it sounds like it'll be a, a great uh, a great conference and again, some very interesting topics happening there. So, And for me, um, what I was alluding to is that uh, uh, AA started doing this a couple of years ago, I think, uh, where they will live stream their plenaries. I think they live stream some of the presidential strands. So some of the uh, concurrent sessions, which are related specifically to kind of the key themes of the conference. 
So there are a number of, um, if you're an AEA member, you are, I think it doesn't cost anything to sign up to, to watch these, um, these sessions live in real time um, as, they're, as they're happening in Cleveland, regardless of where you are in the globe. So that's what will be my field trip. I'll be sitting in an office and given it's Saskatoon, probably under two feet of snow by that point. But um, I, can, I can pretend like I'm in uh, sunny Cleveland. I don't, is, I don't is Cleveland so. sunny? I don't know. <laughs> I'll pretend um, it is. Okay. Yeah, the virtual conferences. I think the first time they did it was maybe 2000. I know in 2015, like I, I haven't been to an AEA conference since 2014 when it was in Denver. That was the last time I was there. So every year since I've been, you know, participating mm-hmm. virtually and, and they've uh, sort of upgrading that platform every year. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think you get to see like up, up to like 20 sessions. They sort of do their whole presidential strand and all the keynotes. It's awesome. It's great. I just, um, I would turn it on and, and uh, watch it and do like some baking or some crafting at the same time. And, and uh, really terrific. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing the conference in person, but uh, it's also quite overwhelming and exhausting if my memory of Denver <laughs> is accurate to go by. I suspect, <laughs> yeah. I suspect actually now that I'm, there's a lot of people I'm excited to meet. Um, people that I've been interacting with virtually mm-hmm. over the last few years that I hope to get to meet in person in Den- uh, in Cleveland. And so I suspect it will be even more exhausting. Um, so it'll probably be a few years mm-hmm. before I uh, manage to make it out there again. So I'll have to recoup. But the virtual conference <laughs> is such a great alternative when you can't make it out there in person. Mm-hmm. And while it's not quite the same in terms of connecting with people, um, I know at least from past conferences that the evaluation Twitter sphere is quite active during conferences. So even if I'm planning to have like one window open with the live stream and another window open with uh, with Twitter, just to be able to kind of participate in some of those conversations as well, at least mm-hmm. online. So. Yeah. Well, Brian, I think I give us uh, a plus for this podcast. At least a passing grade. <laughs> so we are back from our summer hiatus, um, and until our next un- unannounced di- hiatus, we'll be trying to release uh, at least one episode, maybe even two a month. Um, is there anything that people should expect to hear from us, uh, or maybe maybe we can ask our audience if there's a topic you want us to cover. Uh, or someone you think we should bring on as a guest, please let us know. You can contact us in various ways uh, through Twitter, through email. Uh, just throw a rock through one of our windows with a note taped around it. Please don't throw rocks through uh, our windows. <laughs> throw rocks through Brian's window. <laughs> please don't throw rocks through my window. Next time I see you, I'll give you a nuggie. That's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play, or by going through our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at evalcafe. And if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast at gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for Poppers and Prosecco, our intro theme, and Dispersion Relation, our outro as well as to Tim at tabletopaudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro.